0: Buckle up, listeners. I love that, Kyle. That's really clever. Is that because there was um, a seatbelt sign noise? Yeah. Well, welcome to... Well, that fucked me up. (laughs) (laughs) A podcast with Luke Colson. And Kyle Wise. And a seatbelt sound. Uh, Every week, we'll be talking to real guests about their amazing, often traumatic, life-changing experiences and events that have happened to them. Focusing on stories of survival, hope, and overall triumph. Yeah, so really focusing on the good stuff that has come out of some pretty extraordinary things that have happened to people. Yeah. I love that. Me too. Yeah. Uh, we actually have our first sponsor too, which is jolly exciting. And we're now... sponsored. I feel yeah. like now's a great time to use the seat- <laughs> <laughs> the seatbelt sign. Um, the original Handlebar Jack, which you can find at www.com. Handlebarjack.com. Do you know what that is, Kyle? I don't. Right. So you know when you need to mend your bike, your bicycle, and you turn it upside down because your chain's fallen off, or maybe there you've got a flat tyre.
1: Yeah, I was thinking, man, it always messes up with my gears.
0: Yeah, messes up with your gears. So now there's a little stand which is perfectly portable and comes in a really nice package. And these are two little clips and they clip onto your handlebars. They're completely universal. And then it turns into a little stand. So when you turn your bike upside down, it literally allows your bike to balance. It's like one of the most cleverest things. And I just want to add that we're not a bicycle podcast. However, we are all about surviving traumatic and life-changing experiences. Have you ever had a flat tire on like a grimy, dusty road? Yeah, it's the worst. The worst. So now our tenure sponsorship link is complete. If you do go online at www.handlebarjack.com and you type in the code WTFMU, which is actually the acronym for our podcast, which we had to write down because it really confused <laughs> the fuck out of us, <laughs> <laughs> then some of the proceeds will be going to foodonfoot.org. That's foodonfoot.org. And those guys are helping out the unhoused and the low income neighbors in your neighborhood. So our friends at Handlebarjack, Will actually donate um, some of the proceeds to that amazing organization. So, I mean, it's a win win, people. Incredible. So, Lisa, welcome to our podcast. Well, that fucked me up. And uh, I'm Luke. I'm and- Kyle. And we're very excited to have you. Thank you for joining us. Um, why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction uh, on why you thought your story was relevant? And um, we've read a little bit up about why you're coming on. But if we just get an overview and then we can dive straight in and talk and see where we get to.
2: Sure. Sure. Uh, first of all, thank you for inviting me on. I appreciate it. It's and um, My story, I think it comes at a kind of a relevant time. Um, you know i kind of my mission is is mental illness um not for myself but for folks around me and i've kind of become their crusader um and watching them struggle and and be you know the stigma etc um that that's kind of became my purpose i'm kind of the champion that never wanted to be a champion but became a champion because mm. nobody else wants to be their champion so wow, <laughs> um
1: yeah. that,
2: that's why i really that's why i thought it'd be kind of Good to get that word out and tell my story.
0: Why? How I got this place. And, and how did you get to that place? And firstly, that's um, firstly that's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's and, incredible. And we always say when we started this podcast, we Kyle has had a lot of trauma in his life. I've had a lot of trauma in my life. Mental health is extremely close to both of us. Um, and having gone through some stuff and come out the other side, but but still battling. With things, you know, on a daily basis, it's just become such a common thread to all of these episodes that we're doing people that have just had like a one off experience that resulted in um, some long drawn out trauma or people that have had long drawn out experiences that have really, really Uh, fucked with them. So what what was what was it that brought you to this place?
2: I just want to add one more thing to that yes. with the pandemic. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of folks are struggling more with their mental health than they've had in oh, the yeah. past as well. So I think that this topic is is very relevant at this point in time as well. But what brought me here was a series of events. Um, you know, I grew up in a kind of dysfunctional, like most of us probably have, family didn't realize kind of what was going on um had a sister who was extremely violent oh. and um you know yeah didn't know exactly why back in you know the 70s 80s um and it just wasn't there wasn't the medications there weren't the treatments there are today so we just dealt with it pushed it under the carpet you know she had a lot a lot of issues you know was yeah. run runaway, etc yeah so uh, substance abuse etc So, you know, we dealt with that. I grew up like that. I said, wow, I couldn't wait to get out of that house, (laughs) away from those problems. So, you know, I go out, I do my thing. I, you know, I go to college, et cetera. I get a job and, um, you know, get married and I have, um, you know, pregnant, I'm married. I have, you know, I have a child Mm. and I'm all excited. And I'm in my, you know, a little bit later having this child, my mid thirties. And, you know, it was funny because the day that I realized I was pregnant, that I did a pregnancy test was on 9-11. Oh, wow. So I found out the morning of 9 11, I worked across the street from the World Trade Center. Oh, oh
1: my God. So,
2: so so I called my then husband and I said, You know, I'm pregnant, this and that, but I'm going to work. Went to work and ran to save my son's life that day. That's the first day I knew he was alive, <laughs> was that day It was 9 11. That's how he kind of made right his, um,
0: wow.
2: his entrance into this world um, and, you know, on 9 11. So I ran to save him. And that's gonna be kind of the common theme throughout this whole thing. Um, He was, uh, when he was being delivered, he was transverse, which is kind of back sideways. So he had to be emergency, C-section, et cetera. Mm. So, you know, he's always removed by force. You know, always, everything was always kind of an issue with him. Mm. Um, He he was, after he was born and he was a baby, it was something off. And um, I've seen other kids. My, my sister had kids that I, you know, had contact with. Uh, I also had three stepsons at that point. So I know how babies were supposed to act. My son's behavior was um, he learned slow. He right. was very, very moody. You couldn't take him out of the house. Mm. He was um, temper tantrums, mm. horrible sleeping, um, just didn't get along well with with others. Um, like other babies would. Very difficult to soothe. So that was him kind of zero through five.
0: And that's tough, my gosh, as a mom, right? That must have been yeah. very, very hard.
2: That's very hard because I had, um, till he was five, there was two other children after him. Oh, so it was three children, Worked, and I worked full-time as well. So I mm. had sitters, et cetera, that would help me out. So he was extremely difficult. So, you know, he wouldn't learn to read, et cetera. So he goes to school. That behavior continued into school, except that he didn't want to go to school. He wouldn't sleep. Um, we had to do charts and everything to try to make him go to school, mm. um, you know, giving him rewards. Still didn't want to go to school. He spent most of his days in the nurse's office or the guidance counselor's office getting attention, um, talking about his feelings, etc. So he spent, let's say, you know, the majority of the day. So now we're about second grade so let's say he's seven eight years old Gosh. i just couldn't take it anymore i mean his behavior is erratic he was always had a little bit of a violent streak in him um non-compliant i said I, I just have to take this this kid to the doctor something is wrong with him and um so it took him to a neurologist and the neurologist you know they did a bunch of tests is he learning disabled you know he was not learning disabled. He, had, he was first diagnosed with ADHD. Mm-hmm. ADHD with a kicker of ODD, which is oppositional defiance disorder. Oh, wow. Not as bad as a conduct disorder, but, you know, just everything was, you know, you say yes, he said no. Mm-hmm. So, not medication. There's no medication for ODD. There's only medication for ADHD. Mm-hmm. He had low H, even though he walked the classroom before he took meds. So he was on medication. Mm. He took medication. You know, I, I deliberated over that, like every parent does. Of do course. I medicate? Do I not medicate? Do I change his diet? Do I, you know, do I quit my job and sit with them all day long? Oh. And I said, this kid needs medication. Yeah. Um, he doesn't, he is not <laughs> assimilating into society the yeah, way he dear. needs to. Yeah. So we went on medication, and, you know, I had the guilt trip, the mother guilt trip, et cetera, about that. Uh, but one day we were, the thing that kind of turned me was we'd be eating this waffle and I, you know, um, blueberries. And he put a little face on the the waffle and he gave it to me and he says, mommy, I've never been happy a day in my life. This is the second grader. Uh, So he has me the waffle. So, so he, he was on medication from that point forward. He capped out on one of the ADHD lines of meds. He went to a second type. He capped out on that line. Um, this point he's on another line of medication stronger he's capped out on you know he's not capped out yet on that but he's on a pretty strong dose of ADHD meds but the story continues Mm. so you know he's on medication his behavior is still always very moody you know we're still you know we're getting a little bit of the ADD under control but there's still this mood problem this this anger rage Mm. that I we just couldn't get under control Mm. so so you know he continues on elementary school middle school comps Middle school was brutal. Um, Definitely, the rage continued, etc. So seventh grade comes around. He started to definitely not be compliant. Um, He started to be depressed. He would lay in the fetal position in bed.
0: Oh my god! One time, yeah, yeah, uh,
2: one time. You know, we had an episode with him, and I had a he was he was putting his head into the water in the bathtub. I had to pull his head out before he drowned.
0: Oh my goodness!
2: So so able to get there you know luckily (laughs) i was able to do that 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 same year he was in school i get a phone call from the school that um, i needed to get there immediately i happened to work at that point about an hour and a half away and uh, so i'm driving frantically what what's the matter they Mm. said just get here so so i'm driving i I don't know how i didn't crash (laughs) as i was driving i get there and they said that um, he told another student that he was going to kill himself
0: and, so, and just for our listeners that don't understand the grade system me being British and one of them he's 11, sure. he's 12 years old at this stage
2: he, he's 12 th- turning 13
0: oh, at that point my goodness so, so this a is a second too. time
2: of talking suicide um, so I'm like oh wow you know <laughs> you know so, so they bring him to me and and the assistant principal second in charge of the school comes over to me and says we have called all the you know the authorities, Whoever they call, and um, he needs to go to the hospital immediately. Um, I have no say in it. Um, he needs to go to the hospital immediately. He then proceeds to tell me, "I'm afraid of your son. I don't want to sit next to him. I don't want to be near him." Oh, no. Okay, this is the head, the second in command of the school, yeah, and not a small school. Who told me that? I was like, okay. So he get they taken by ambulance to the to the to the psychiatric which he was um you know they avowed him whatever immediately they admitted him so he was there for um for a week in there i had never seen up close and personal once before i had to a small degree but this is the first time i've ever seen a psychiatric ward for children yeah and what i saw and how they are treated, and this, by the way, is a place that is respected mm. in the mental health community, mm. was an atrocity. Yeah. Um, how they had no windows. How, of course, everybody had to have no, um, um, what do you call that? No. Um, like ties for their pants, Shop. you know, because yeah. they'll, they'll hang themselves or yeah. whatever else.
0: Because I suppose How's some you- somewhere down the line they're t- trying to protect the children, but in doing so, right. they're putting them in basically like padded rooms with nothing they can. They
2: yes, they're in jail.
0: They yeah. are in jail.
2: You can't take your child out. Um, you Ooh. can't. You have no control. Basically, the child belongs to the system hmm. at that point. As a parent, I sat in the parking lot for a week. And I made up excuses. I couldn't see him. They wouldn't allow me to see him. I could only see him, I think, twice that week. Um, So I made excuses to go in the building. I brought him clothes all the time. And I cried. And I sat in the parking lot the whole night in the car with a friend of mine. And I said, and I just said, this is unacceptable. To treat a parent, to tell me, my son, you are afraid of my son, and not realize my son was ill.
0: Yeah.
2: to not have the supports in school. They wouldn't give him proper supports in the classroom that, you know, well, he doesn't need anything. He's just lazy. I would get told.
0: Uh, Um, It's like a movie, Lisa. It's like a a horrible, horrible movie that your son's been taken away from you. He's yours, but you can't see him and you know, he's sick, but no one is letting or getting him the help that he needs.
2: Correct. So he learned quick that you just say what you have to say when you're in those those places to get out. You, they're not gonna help you.
1: Mm.
2: All they're going to do, you have to get out of there to get the help you need. I mean, don't get me wrong. He did get, re, he got diagnosed when he was there. Right. He got diagnosed with bipolar disorder too. Right. Is there. So adding to his, his ADHD, kind of the ODD dropped off um, and became bipolar disorder. So that was a whole new thing. What, what is that? (laughs) What does that mean? So I became, you know, just reading everything, learning everything. And it all started to make sense. Um, As he went into high school, um, so now he's 14 years old. um, I wanted to get him extra help in school, more time for tests. And they said, no,
0: they said he doesn't need it.
2: He's lazy. Oh no. Okay.
0: Even so, with the diagnoses, even though you're presenting them with these diagnoses, they're still I am, saying I that. I
2: am presenting his psychiatrist diagnosis uh, of bipolar disorder to an ADHD. Oh, my gosh. To the school. so And this is the principal. So I presented the principal. This they say, we will not help him. I called the district psychologist, got involved. It took the district psychologist to walk around the room. And explained to the top educators in the di- I'm a very large district what it was to have bipolar disorder and ADHD mm. affect learning. Mm. They had no clip. And he walked the room, and he told them that. I said, "This is an utter disgrace." So <laughs> then the worst kind of violent, the worst thing of all was the principal of this high school. Came over to me at one point when we were talking about all this, and he said, "You know what? Your son will amount to nothing." I he sh- said he is lazy, he doesn't care, and you might as well just tell him to drop out now.
0: Oh my goodness gracious man.
2: I it, it, I was horrified. I, I I went to the superintendent. Yeah. Nobody did anything. The man kept his job. What? At that point, he kept his job. At that point. Yes, he did, and I went all the way to the top. I said, "You can't tell me this about my son." I kept it a secret. He doesn't know till this day that mm. that that person said that about him. Oh, my so, so finally, after the psychologist walked in front of all of these higher ups and explained bipolar disorder, and they said, "Okay, we'll help him," and he got a 504 plan to get added time on test. Mm. You know, the ability to you know take a break here and there. Yeah. So it definitely helped him. Yeah. But he's, you know, he struggles, he struggled in high school immensely. You know, he would be on, he would take his meds, not take his meds. It was a very, very rough road with the rage that was so high. Yes. And, um, and and the meds constantly adjusting and changing and him not taking them and being non-compliant and wanting to be normal and fit in as a teenager it was a very 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 difficult time for him it and for the
0: family it also doesn't sound like you, in hindsight you could have done anything differently because of the way he was diagnosed and the knowledge that seemingly some of these people that should have known better had right what what could yes. have what could have been different nothing in your in your situation or, or could it have been i,
2: not, I mean nothing that i saw at the time yeah i mean he saw brick walls yeah. everywhere i turned yeah. i saw a wall to get him help that is the point in time after he was in the hospital and after i got told all those things that i said that's it
1: yeah
2: <laughs> um these schools are a disgrace when it comes to people who have a, a mental illness um i have to affect some change or at least try to yeah affect change on his behalf, I can't change what's happened to my son, how he's been treated and how he's been spoken to. But maybe one other kid won't have to do that because of me. And a parent won't have to cry in the parking lot
0: oh my because of me.
2: So, so I made it my mission. So I ended up, I, you know, I wrote to a, uh, an organization, um, a mental health not for profit, and I um, told them a little bit of my story and they told me to come by and invited me to join the board. Yes. Um, so I joined that board. Kyle that and agency. I. Kyle
0: and I are pumping our fists and smiling. We're cheering hour. for yeah, yeah. I love yeah. this. This is very amazing. Yes.
2: Yeah, so that agency kind of um, wasn't doing well financially after a few years, and they, they got they put me on the um, acquisition committee, one of five of us, and we chose a large agency, and we got absorbed into the larger one. So now I'm on a larger one. Who, who serves over five counties and growing in the state of New Jersey. It's a very large, very connected not-for-profit mental health um, for you know severely and persistently mentally ill people, all wow. different programs. Um, my focus was children. Yeah. And schools and my big thing was we need to have people in schools. These teachers need to be trained. Yes. The lunch lady needs to be trained because they don't talk to the guidance <laughs> counselor. The guidance counsel will call you and you'll be in the hospital.
1: Yeah, but of they course. talk to
2: the guidance counselor. They, not the guidance They talk to the lunch ladies. Yes. Um, my son would talk to. They have you know like a, a police in the school just watching what's going on. He was friends with him. Um, he would talk to you know just. The crossing guards. My son, Noel Crossing Guards. He would never talk to the other people because he knew that they would hurt him. Gosh. And uh, so he became – so My the agency that I'm on the board of trains those people because they're the people that are the ones that hear the real stories. Of course. Not the guidance
0: counselors. Well, I guess within the school system, it's – and the amount of st- – the amount of students that are um, that that are not mentally challenged but are troublesome, you can sort of see why, if uneducated or if unknowledgeable about these things, your first thing mm-hmm. would be to go to well that that kid's disruptive and we don't want him at the school anymore. And that's right. It's just mm-hmm. about getting that knowledge. To every single person in that school, including students, you'd imagine, so that they can see the signs of when somebody is not just a disruptive child or a disruptive student. Yeah. Yes.
2: Absolutely. You're absolutely right. It, um, and, you know, my agency, they do something called a mental health first aid, which is what they train people on what to look for, what are the signs, what do you do, wow. that kind of thing. So they do do that. Um, well,
1: uh, I find it kind of funny or. Not funny, um tragic that you know you have this kid you like you you've raised him he, he's you know using diapers, and like he this is your son, and then for someone to not have those experiences that you had with him and just be like oh he's he's I'm scared of him and i and i yeah. I wonder like how often we do that where you know even in l a if someone's unhoused and they're screaming and you know they have their own issues are we just like oh that guy's crazy rather than just be like
0: never you just never know yeah everyone's full story do you
1: no this is this is an incredible story thank you
2: no you don't i mean and that's part of the thing everybody is afraid of the people who have mental mental illness yeah and and after dealing with my son and i realized my sister growing up i wasn't afraid yeah. Of, them, of anybody, you know, like I can talk, I can talk my son down from a rage. My son's medication is different now because there was other incidents that happened and he needed different medication. But, um, but he's now going to be 19 years old. He, he did drop out of college. He, you know, he, of course, he never really liked school. He mm. had sleeping problems, which go with bipolar disorder. And he just, he couldn't get up in the mornings. He he couldn't focus with the ADD. Of
0: course.
2: School was just not his thing. So he always learned. I used to reteach him lessons every night after he would go to school. His sister, who's three years younger, would do his term papers. Oh, wow. I mean, so <laughs> he just couldn't pull it together. So now he's in trade school. He's going to be an HVAC wow. person. Oh, it's great. And um, so he's doing that. And, you know, he, he's going to be okay.
1: Yeah. My brother does um,
0: HVAC. Yeah, yeah Kyle, I and mean, also it's Kyle, a good career. Also, yeah. Kyle loved that he dropped out of school because Kyle was nodding as if to say, yeah, that's also I cool. also dropped
1: out of college. So. <laughs>
2: well, I mean, college doesn't have the supports for a person like my son. Yeah. yeah, They don't have it. The regular school system doesn't. A college doesn't. There's no supports for somebody who's just, you know, like some days, even now, he can't get out of bed. He says, I just can't get out of bed uh, that day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to kind of add more to even to this story, so about two and a half years later, two and a half years ago, uh, I met a man just through other things. I'm very spiritual through spiritual channels, et cetera. And the man and I didn't know, you know, we ended up. Well, to, let me take a step back here. My son's father and I divorced um, because of my son.
0: I can imagine. He said the there's nothing wrong with him. Right.
2: Um, you know, he just needs a good beating, oh, like wow. in the olden days. I said, "There's something very wrong with him. He yeah. needs help." And he did not support. You know, he was no way. And eventually, he just kind of said, "I want no part of this. Really? I want no part of it." So I have been his only <laughs> uh, champion. Wow. His whole, his whole, and his sisters. He has two younger sisters. Who, you know, there's a little resentment there. He got, he's got some attention over the years.
0: Right.
2: You know, he's, you know, he's a little bit hard. Yeah. You know, we have to kind of walk eggshell sometimes when his meds are not where they need to be, but yeah. we take care of him. Yeah. But yeah. going back to my other story, about two and a half years ago, so I met this, this, this man and a um, very nice man, very spiritual man. He, he has, he turns out to have bipolar disorder.
0: One no way. Wow.
2: <laughs> so, so I know two. too, is more of a depressive, ep- episodic depression. Right. um More rage. Um, at least for my son. I didn't, I never met an episode, a bipolar disorder one and we became a couple wow so we've been to almost three years That's great. I learned What bipolar disorder one is I never saw mania before I have seen absolute mania with him he was hospitalized six months ago um, because it was just he was in uh, he had a psychotic break
0: wow
2: and um, so him and my son both were in a rage at the same time and there was violence between them oh, my. It was awful.
0: Goodness, Lisa, you have a lot of bipolar in your life right now. Um, I do. Is there? Is there? This is going to sound like an extremely naive question. We're going to ask it anyway. Is there an understanding from one bipolar sufferer to another of how each one is, or does it just add fuel to the fire?
2: Initially, it added fuel to the fire. Now they have an understanding of each other, right? But it took my son, who was a Bipolar, bipolar two yeah. He didn't understand the manic component of it um now he understands and right. both of them by the way now are um stable right. they're both on medication that is, is working okay we have little tweaks maybe here and there we need to do but they both understand when the other isn't in the best place wow. so there definitely is an understanding um my son wrote me an early Mother's Day letter, oh. and because he's not as able to express what it feels like, and he explained to me this is like a week ago in the letter how what it feels like to have lived to live this way, right. and how you feel like you are abnormal. Yes, you'll never fit in society. Um, how some days to get out of bed is like a weight on you. Uh. That you just can't. And my significant other says the same thing. It's a weight on my chest. I can't move. Um, The things I have learned. So there is overlap with them. And they now both kind of, you know, they see it in each other. And they have, initially they didn't. Initially they were kind of button heads. Now they have empathy. Because they know the other one is struggling just as much. Wow. um, As they are. And um, so it's been really an interesting Journey to watch them kind of, you know, my son who really, his father really never was supportive. Yes. Watch this man understand him, the first man really in his life who understood it and talks to him the way he needs to be spoken to.
0: Yes. Yeah. Do, you, do you think that uh, it, this is a bit heavy? So I'm just going to go ahead and ask this one. Does, are you resided to the fact that your son is. Uh, just going back to the waffle story about how he said he'd never been happy a day in his whole life. And then you, you mentioned the mother's day letter and saying what a weight it is. Have you, are you resided to the fact that this is it for the rest of his life or is there still some hope that he finds the right, um, the right help to live a more happy, fulfilling life?
2: I I think he'll, I mean, I'll be honest with you this week. We're going to get a medical, he's going to get a medical marijuana card. He also finds that's helpful. (sighs) Add to his mix, Um, so we're deciding we're going to do it. Even though you know it's legal,
0: yeah, we're he's
2: going to do it the right way because he wants to get the right mixtures. And I don't know as much about it as he does. We're going to a doctor who specializes. Actually, a doctor who um, had cancer and worked with cancer patients who used it. So he is actually going to add that into his his. His whatever he takes, um, yeah. as well. So, we're working on that as well, and I'm working with him with that. Wow. We're going to go together to the doctor with that, and and because not because of me, I mean, I'm actually on the fence of you know if he should even use that, I hate but but he thinks it helps him because he also has anxiety
0: as yes. well, yes, yes.
2: So, we're adding that in. So, to answer your question, do I think he'll have a normal life? I think that if he takes his medication. He also recently wants to go back to therapy. He totally didn't want to go to therapy for years. That's interesting. Um, so now with the pandemic, it's very hard to get a therapist here, but working on it. Yeah. But he's going to go back to therapy. Back to therapy, Right. medication. Med compliance is so important. Yeah. Understanding your condition is so important. I think he will be okay. Oh. And actually today I had a moment we had to do something because him and you know him and my significant other had a conflict which ended up with a a court date because of assault and this and that so we you know we had to resolve it and my son's you know my son's dropping charges and this and that he says you know because we get along great this is you know and i heard him on the phone with you know the court and he said to the court they said do you want to press charges against him he goes no he goes it was a really tough time and things just got out of hand and it's okay please drop the charges. Oh, wow. And it's just to hear him be so profound with that and so mature and so realizing that he was struggling, meaning my significant other was struggling Yes, as was he
0: Gosh. and
2: it just combusted. I, I cried
0: oh, not and I, did,
2: I said, but that that's maturity. I mean, he's slow to me. He takes him longer to mature and to see things. I always say he has an external hard drive. Sometimes we have to tell him a few times things because he rules by emotion, Um, ADD gets in the way as well, but do I think he's going to be okay? Yes, I do.
1: I love it. So what would you say to other parents um, who who might have their children um, kind of going through the same challenges?
2: That's a good question. Um, You have to be an advocate for your child. Do not let a therapist, do not let the school... Do not let a guidance counselor, do not let a doctor get a second, get a third opinion, mm. tell you what to do. That is your child. Yes. You know him or her best. You take the lead. Wow. You're the advocate.
0: Oh, my God, this is amazing. Well, we're going to wrap up this chat with you, Lisa. But this is the most – this is incredibly – We well – I just commend you on everything you're doing and the fact that you've not only taken action with your own child, um, secondly, that you've welcomed another bipolar sufferer into your immediate family, but what you're doing in terms of that being an advocate for mental health all round is an incredible thing.
1: Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much.
0: And we, what we'll tend to do is we'll have a couple of links on the, when we go live with your episode, we'll have a couple of links. Um, so if there's any foundations or organizations or anything, mm-hmm. you know, your organization or anything like that, we can, um, we can put those live as well so people can find you and click on okay. them and we can carry on the story.
2: Great. No, I have a blog. I have a blog, I have an article published, Twitter, a whole bunch of things. Great. So
0: the blog, the Twitter, and everything else, we'll make sure that that's all on the podcast um, copy when we go live.
2: Okay. Lisa, it's been
0: wonderful to meet you. Thank you so much for coming on. Same
2: here, same here, same here.